Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Editor Jack here from the future. I wanted to give a warning that my audio in this episode is messed up in a few places. Uh, because I've been having audio issues in the past, I tried different recording software and the way it edited and formatted it together, my audio is garbled and lowered in places. So I apologize for that. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. And finishing up our conversation that uh, Larry and I were having about music last month in October, we went just a smidge long. So now we're going to do part two, the revenge of talking about music. This will be good. It's like uh, like one of those albums that they put out and like uh, Use Your Illusion 1, right? And then two, you know, you're, you're eagerly awaiting the, the second part of it. Exactly. And now I know what I'm going to name the episode. <laughs> now i don't think i can axel rose seems like the kind of person that would sue me he's yeah he's a bit of a, a curmudgeon when it comes to yeah his yeah yeah and he definitely can afford more lawyering than i can true that'd probably be an uphill battle yeah i would definitely lose that battle so anyway who is the band and or artist that you are going to discuss now so this uh this artist is one it's also uh my son john's favorite artist uh, is the killers and it's a band that i've been following since the well since they first burst on the scene i guess you could say in the early 2000s but uh i know it's one that uh the duncan is also a fan of you uh shared uh shared some conversations about that and in fact um first record that i ever owned an actual piece of vinyl you know record was one that he gave me as a birthday gift i believe maybe it was christmas but uh anyway it was uh sam's town a picture disc it was pretty cool and i've held on to it this whole time now it's kind of the uh the centerpiece of my uh my you know vinyl music collection but yeah larry larry is not above his children starving so he can buy new vinyl it's true it's a joke no, no, it's that that's it's legitimate. I mean, there are times we're we're having a piece together because there was a great deal on something. Just just how we're going to make it through. Yeah, um, Larry has sold a lot of plasma in the name of purchasing that. <laughs> I've just sold my kids' stuff. You know, it's no big deal. Oh, okay, yeah, I, just, I understand. Yeah, you know, they'll inherit all this vinyl and probably not care about that's it at right. some point. <laughs> that's right. We're joking. Larry's kids eat well. No, they're they're doing just fine. Um. But anyway, so so this band, you know, I thought for this one, what I'd do is just kind of talk through uh, the albums and kind of give a top three in terms of the songs I connected with and kind of how I, I fell headfirst into being a fanboy, you know. The first time I, I heard it, I, th- I think I was a little bit late to the, uh, to the party, uh, so to speak. They'd been out for a while, but... Um, you know, the band's kind of in their, their genre, or we'll just say newer rock. I really wasn't paying attention to most of it if they weren't 
called the white stripes or the strokes, you know, that, that was kind of where my head was at at the time. And so the first time I ever heard a killer song, funny enough, was at church. Uh, they did it as an opening song for the, the church I used to go to. They did a, uh, the song, Somebody Told Me. And uh, it it blew my mind. Like I'd never heard anything quite like that. The the power and just the, you know this this imagery. Let alone that that song in particular it has some themes that might raise some eyebrows at church. We'll say it that way. Um, so I went up to the, <laughs> to the worship leader afterwards. I said, "What was that first song you played?" And he told me, and I thought. Okay, that's definitely something I'm going to check out. I think iTunes was just in its infancy, so I don't think I looked it up there. I looked it up somewhere, though, and gave it a listen, and I, I was I was completely infatuated. Just, and, just to interrupt you real quick, yeah. um, that same church also performed the Evanescence song. Uh, bring bring Me Back to Life? Is that what yeah, it was? Bring Me Back to Life. Yeah, they performed that, and it was every bit as good as they perform it because uh, the the female that sang with them, Carrie. Yes. She, she could have won American Idol. And I, I don't say that lightly. She could have, she could have won American Idol. She can sing. Yeah. She's, she's the real deal and no doubt about it. But all those, anyway, all, all, all those cats that, that, that play for that, uh, play for that church are really good artists in their own right, you know? And yes, they are. That's why they're great at leading worship. I got no problem with that. I got no problem, by the way, with hearing the killers in church either. Because uh, as I've put it to a uh, to a pastor later in life, and said, you know, there's there's something I feel like is is God given or placed in terms of talent in a lot of folks, and even if they're not singing in the manner of worship, they they really it really is a testament to where that comes from. So I think it's a little more deep seated than just saying, well, it's not a religious song, you can't play. It. It's like, yeah, you can appreciate the creativity and the artistry uh, that comes from exactly. something other than just um, spontaneity, at least I feel. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. so back to, the topic. back to the topic of the moment. Um, somebody told me, blew my mind, and I, I, I was hooked. You know, I went out and bought the the album pretty much straight away, which was Hot Fuss, uh, which came out in 2004. This would have been 2005, maybe even early 2006 six before i really got into it i guess 2005 but anyway like i said kind of late in the game uh, for someone who professes to be a music junkie um and people were already familiar with mr brightside and that song had blown up long before they even had an album um it, you know and their their single uh, went out but uh that's that's one of the songs most people know. Most people have heard Mr. Brightside. And that's a really cool song and definitely definitely one of their top ones. But beyond that, um, you know, somebody told me is my my favorite killer song of all time. But the song that really I think helped to to hook me and see that these guys were more than just you know one or two songs was all these things that I've done. Because lyrically, they went from this, just just kind of this leap, and it's almost nonsensical, but, you know, this line, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier, where they repeat that over and over again, that blew me away as well. And, you know, it, it, as far as favorite songs, it, it's... It's not as high up there as somebody told me, but man, that, that to me just took it to another place. So really love that. That's kind of the, the three songs that, uh, that I really loved in, in that album. So 
Next, they came out with Samstown, and there was a lot of buildup and, and a lot of anticipation about that. And I think that, you know, the band even talked it up and, you know, we're probably a little bit, uh, I, I don't know, inflating just how great they thought it was going to be. It is a great album. I mean, legitimately a great album. And I, I think it's, it's held up over time, like, like all their stuff has, but you know, in terms of, of where it came from, I, I think it, it was panned initially, you know, by the critics. They, they didn't think it was nearly as good. And it didn't sound the, the same as, you know, Hot Fuss. Uh, when Samstown came out in 2006, it was a little bit more like, this sounds considerably different. Um, just from, I, I think, what people were expecting, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't hit the mark. But to me, I think it's a good thing, you know, bands get stagnant, you know, I don't, I don't mean this in any way, you know, disrespect, not that the guys from CCR are going to be listening to me or from the Steve Miller band, but if you always, all your songs, all the songs sound the same at some point, you're just like, okay, just give me the greatest hits and I'm good. You know, it, it kind of, it kind of all sounds just like one massive song at some point. Right. So I appreciate yeah, bands um, trying to change it up. James Hetfield from Metallica has commented on on that. He's like, people want all of our albums to sound like the first, what is it, three or four. Mm-hmm. And everything, he's like, and everything after and Justice for All, they're like, we sold out. And he's like, we were tired of playing the same music. Yeah. We evolved. We got older. <laughs> well, I've always found it just... I don't know what the right word is. I want to say ironic. It's probably not the right word, but for fans and I get it. People, people play music for the fans and that's cool. And that, you know, but if you're an artist, I mean, people didn't tell Van Gogh what to paint, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where you really have much of a right to complain. Just say, eh, it's not for me. It's different. That's cool. Great. But you know, to get upset because they're not doing exactly what she was like, Hey, they're not, just writing for you they're writing for everybody and for their own fulfillment so it's you know yeah, kind of a kind of a balance exactly. probably probably a lot of pressure that goes into that but um oh, i'm sure there's a ton of pressure because your 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 record label is paying you a shit ton of money to make an album that makes a shit ton more yeah right money. right and so there is that pressure and so the simple thing is to do sort of the same type of you know, music and just keep doing that. But as an artist, you want to grow. And sort of a perfect example is one of my favorite bands, Pink Floyd. The Wall is a masterpiece. The final cut, which is made up of leftover songs from The Wall, mm-hmm. is not. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and I mean, at some point, it's like you're either growing or you're stagnant or dying. You know, you've got to be you've got to be trying some different things. Otherwise, you know, you're going to end up with a final cut on your hands <laughs> rather than, you know, the uh, wall. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even, you know, moving it forward to division bell or, you know, something like that. They had some great stuff that they came across. They just needed to move on. Right. And this is a different sound, but it was great in its own way. So, um, exactly. back to, uh, back to these dudes, the killers. Um, you know, I, I brought that up, by the way, about a lot of people not quite, you know, hitting the mark and what, what the critics wanted or whatever, because I, I kind of had the same opinion. I mean, frankly, uh, When You Were Young was the first single that came out from that thing, and it, it was a good song, you know, but after that, I, I, 
it didn't really resonate with me. Um, as a matter of fact, I was pretty much after having listened to that a couple of times, I was ready for the next album to come out. Say, okay, can we recapture what we had, you know, on, on the first album? Um, but years, you know, years later, listening to that, revisiting it, man, it is phenomenal from start to finish. And I'm one of these clowns that completely missed it, you know, in, yeah, yeah. in the moment. And where I can look back now and say, Read My Mind is one of my all-time favorite songs. It was phenomenal. It was one of the last songs I ever liked by The Killers, you know. Uh, and and frankly, I mean, we're talking like 10 years later before it really, really connected. So Read My Mind is another. Time does that sometimes with with music. It, it's, it takes time and all of a sudden your appreciation of it is just like, crap this is amazing how did i not love this 10 years ago what was wrong with past me yeah well and you know i i mean i take it personally <laughs> it's like how did i miss how amazing this song is and i mean it was right there and i'd even heard other people say no that's a really good one too and i'm like yeah you know i don't i don't know take it or leave it right it's the killer so that makes it cool but um then there's some other songs that are just kind of different and interesting that that in the moment you miss until you really listen to them and get down to it but uh there's another song on that album uh bling confessions of a king and the confessions of a king are in uh parentheses there but it, it's it's a song that just it starts out kind of in this weird area and then it moves to you know the very end of it is just the, in the outro is this build up you know where it kind of comes to this crescendo and it's they're saying higher and higher we're gonna make it out of the fire you know and it's just i mean it gets you pumped up and i'm like crap how many times did i listen to that and just completely miss it you know until it finally just hit me you know and and connected i i don't know but that's a phenomenal song and like i said that whole set you know sam's town is from that album obviously it's titled sam's town but uh, they're Every song on there is phenomenal, and that's John loves. Like I said, John loves the Killers, right? But uh, he he'll put on any of these albums. He he loves them all. Took him to a Killers show. He was blown away. You know uh, that was a couple of years ago, actually, right before COVID was a problem, and uh, it was out at the Zoo Amphitheater, and it started raining, like as they as they were playing "Read My Mind." And you talk about just one of these picturesque, just in the moment moments that will always stay with me seeing John and, you know, like we talked about last time, there are times where, you know, just, just, just wanting him to enjoy life is the biggest concern I have, you know, but in that moment, watching him belt out right along with me and, you know, a couple of our other friends that were there, um, watching him belt out and seeing that in that moment where the range is starting to come down. It, it was, it, it was a moment that'll stick with me the rest of my life and hopefully him too, but just, just uh, a super cool, uh, super cool moment. That, um, that's really awesome. And let me just interrupt real quick. For those of you who don't live in Oklahoma city, one of the classic outdoor music venues in Oklahoma city is the zoo amphitheater. And I have no idea how it came about, but it may be the only live concert venue in America, possibly the world, that is owned by a zoo. It's not in the zoo. It's on the side of the zoo. But the zoo owns it, and it raises money for the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I don't know who thought of that, how it came about, but it's a thing. And to bring it back to the Flaming Lips, they do have a live concert a DVD that you can get. I'm assuming it's on Blu-ray as well that they recorded at the zoo 
and while the flaming lips were playing, they walk around and show the animals as the music's going on. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I'm not, let let you get back to your thing. I just thought people might want to know what you were sort of talking about when you said you took them to see the concert at the zoo. Yeah, the took, took them to the zoo, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't named after a guy named Frank Zoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, um, it's a literal zoo. <laughs> And I've gone to a lot of concerts there, Jack. I know you have too. Um, but uh, I think you were at the Counting Crows show uh, there, right? A few a uh, few years ago. It's Counting Crows and Masterpiece Twenty. Um, but uh, no, uh, that's not the one I went to. Oh, that's which, the one uh, you and Amanda went. To. Okay, you weren't at that one. But uh, anyway, seeing lots of shows out there, it's always fun. It is next to the zoo. You can smell the animals. Um, it's it's close enough for that. The wind's blowing the right way, but yeah, pretty pretty cool. Yes, setting. it is. Pretty cool setting, nonetheless. So the next album, um, back to the Killers, was Day and Age, and this is my favorite Killers album. And it's it's kind of strange because it was a complete departure. I, you know, when when Sam's Town was a little different from Hot Fuss, or wasn't a carbon copy, let's say it that way. It was just it was a deeper version, uh, but with a, a slightly different sound, um, and. and some of the folks rejected it when they put out day and age, it was the opposite of everything. I think they went into it with the intent to make an anti Samstown album. So it was a little bit, if you, if you haven't listened to the killers, I suppose I should have get, given a little bit of context as to what their sound is. Uh, if I could try and describe it, not that I'm a music critic, sure. but you know, it. it's, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a, um, anthemic rock almost like a uh like a you know kind of pop sensibility but with a little bit of um you know electronic uh support is generally what i would think of it as um not not like synth driven or anything like that but just almost kind of a garage sound that's a little more upscale in terms of <laughs> there you uh, go. of uh of its uh pop sensibility but you know it's a garage band from beverly hills there you go yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) but day and age went really into this uh more synthesized more um almost almost on the you know fringe psychedelia um but really kind of uh you know i i even really would really think of like a kind of a pop orchestra type of you know, synth sound in some respects. Um, I may be putting too much window dressing on it, but uh, I don't know. You could probably Wikipedia it for what what they say they identify as sound wise. But day and age was much more electronic driven and just just really different. I I think people dislike that even more. <laughs> but I, I I absolutely love it, and I think from from front to back, it's it's phenomenal. So the opening track, you know, losing touch. Uh, it's just a great driving song. They've they've they had the same musicians up until their last couple albums throughout. Even though some of them weren't active, they were just they were just taking part in the you know the studio, actually cutting the record, you know, writing music and things like that. And then they kind of had a touring band um, just a couple albums after this. But they they had the same artists you know involved in in most of these albums anyway uh losing touch really kind of hooked me from the beginning uh they've got a song you know several songs in there that are pretty neat that a lot of folks know but but for me uh the next song that i really really kind of hooked me in there was spaceman and it's such a cool song and that it just 
the the imagery there that they show and really they kind of glam rock you know that that's that's the word i should have used um when i was trying to think of how to describe this album that's really where they step kind of front and center into a, a glam type of sound uh you know much more synthesized and all that stuff but glam uh, was the way i should have described it anyway spaceman really you know takes a page from almost from from Bowie, you know, and how it's approached like this outer space thought and all that kind of stuff. Really cool song. But then kind of a hidden gem for me uh, is Dustland Fairy Tale. And interestingly enough, I mean, this is poetry. I mean, it's, it's absolute poetry paints such a, such an awesome picture of the tale that he's telling there. And it really, that one didn't really, I didn't connect just how beautiful it was until a buddy of mine, Brandon Rabar, you know him. Uh, but uh, yes. he he, uh, he mentioned that that was one of his favorite songs. I was like, okay, well, Brandon says so. I'll give it a listen, you know. <laughs> kind of like if you'd mentioned something to me, it's like, yeah, it's probably worth listening to. Jack knows the stuff when it comes to music, right? So so he brought that up, and I thought, okay, you know, let's listen to it a little deeper. And, man, what a phenomenal song. And just, just it, it's it's a story, and it's it's great. And... You know, I think of it, obviously, it's one, when it comes on, I'll sing it to Amanda and stuff like that. But this this song is also one of the first ones that I really recognize. Because there, there are other things you pull out of the killers when you listen to them, uh, especially in Samstown. There's some things, moments where they sound a little bit like Elton John, kind of, in, in how they're putting the music together. Or some other, like, Stones type of things. Some Bruce Springsteen stuff. Moving forward to Dave and, Dave and Age, Day and Age. When they do Dustland Fairy Tale and some of those other songs on there, I'm thinking this sounds a little like Springsteen, modern Springsteen, not really old Springsteen, but but modern Springsteen. Now, Bruce Springsteen is one of my favorite artists of all time. And now Amanda hates him. My wife hates him, and uh, <laughs> that that's a pretty who funny. Did, th- that's that's who a does Amanda funny hate thing. more, Springsteen or Gordon Lightfoot? Who does she hate more? Oh, that's a great question. I think, ooh, that may be a toss-up. I, ooh, probably Gordon Lightfoot, which I don't know why, because if you read my mind, is uh, is yeah. a phenomenal. I, song. That's what I thought you were going to say <laughs> was Gordon Lightfoot. But uh, she yeah, made I, it known back in uh, late February, early March of this year that Gordon Lightfoot was not someone that she enjoyed right at all. She was not happy that I'd brought some of that uh, some of that vinyl into the house. <laughs> no, she she was not at all. But um, back to the killers here. Back to the killers. <laughs> they uh, they they started. You started to see some some things that kind of come out in in not not a, like a ripoff. You you hear bands that sound like they're obviously ripping people off and stuff like that. That's not what this is at all. It's more like an homage to, uh, you know, some of these other folks and, and just, just touches of it, you know, just sprinkles. You kind of see, hey man, that, that really reminds me of this. It doesn't sound like it, you know, but it reminds me of it, if, if that makes any right. sense. But, um, perfect fit. But uh, going into their next album, the Day and Age came out in 2008. They had a break in there and I think Brandon Flowers, who's their their lead singer, was doing um, was doing some solo stuff. But Battleborn came out in 2012, and it's got some phenomenal songs on it as well. 
Um, there are moments of it that really made me think these guys have got to be Springsteen fanboys because the way they're constructing some of the stuff is it, it really, really reminds me. And uh, sidebar, I, I would say that uh, there are times when their stuff's on. I like to sing like everybody. I put on a great show in my own car but uh, or shower. But right. I will sing some of their stuff in a Springsteen voice, and that will drive Amanda nuts. She hates it because she really, she she really likes the Killers too. Um, really likes the Killers too. Um, there, Runaway is a phenomenal song on there. Um, my favorite song on the album is "Heart of a Girl," where it's just this heartfelt thing. It's it's about him and uh, and obviously a girl, but uh, this moment where he he kind of. Uh, screams out in the shrill kind of uh echoing thing um not just completely but ripple in the water um anyway it, it just it's kind of this haunting line in the middle of this song that's really neat and uh really just sets up the whole the whole tone of the songs it's in the middle of the song but it really kind of drives home just this like haunting echo uh the statement Anyway, and then the way it is, is that's one. I know they perform it live. I've seen these guys three times now, but uh, they do runaways quite a bit, and they do the way it was. And it's a really cool, just like crowd rock, crowd involved type of thing uh, where you see, every, which everybody screams their songs top of their lungs because they're pretty well known, especially if they're, you know, they're fans, right? Like anybody does at a concert. But, you know, in, in terms of uh, the way it was, man, folks really get into that because there's this, it's almost like a you know a, a call and repeat type of thing where uh, where they go through the chorus and folks uh, folks really get into that. So um, they had a pretty pretty big break in there. I think a lot of people thought they were done. Uh, they did a direct hits album, uh, which has a great song on it as well, um, uh, which is one of my favorites. But uh, you know, which was a single just for that album, but. Wonderful, Wonderful came out in 2017. It was their first album, obviously, in five years. But for for me, just a phenomenal, phenomenal album because they the sound was much different. You know, I didn't even talk about Battleborn. The sound was kind of back to more of the Samstown format in terms of, of the way it came across. Not so much uh, synthesized stuff, but a little more acoustic, uh, even even types of things in there, uh, which, which was uh, a really cool uh, change of pace. But Wonderful, Wonderful was kind of more back to this electronic in some areas, but other areas were it was almost like in in the sound in the song the calling it's almost like this uh country rock type of feel and it's hard to describe but because it also has like this almost techno drum beat behind it really really interesting but but the calling is it's another one of those story songs it's really really kind of cool but um some of the other songs in there, The Man and Run for Cover. Run for Cover is just a jam, you know, upbeat, really driving thing. It reminds me of some of the other uh, the other things like, uh, you know, The Way It Was and Runaways and Mr. Brightside. Somebody told me. But um, my, you know, Run for Cover is a phenomenal song. Uh, it's my favorite on that album. But uh, The Man is another song where he, he's he's openly mocking himself. Oh, nice. And, and, and it's, it's the cool thing because you, you think of somebody who's, you know, had the kind of success the killers have had since 2004, it's been, 
been a good run. You know, Mr. Brightside was on, on the billboard charts for, has been on the billboard charts since it came out. You know, it's it set some kind of record for longevity and that kind of stuff. So they, they've had a run, you know, but um, he's sitting here talking about the man and he's saying it in this, you know, tongue in cheek manner where he's saying, you know, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. He's like, kiss the ring, you know, and all this other kind of stuff, which is just, it's ridiculous. He's mocking the idea of him being, you know, this, this important figure or anything like that. So, so that's, a lot of fun. It's my favorite song for a reason. People could probably take it out of context. It's funny because when, you know, John plays, plays, uh, sports, we talked about last time that he, uh, he plays uh, football. We also plays basketball before that he did, uh, did baseball and he's a really good player. Has a lot of fun doing it too. But, uh, interestingly enough, he, uh, he really, is looking for some confidence at times, but he'll play the man kind of without the tongue in cheek factor, you know, and kind of play it to himself to get himself pumped up. So, uh, that's, so that, that's particularly awesome. That that's pretty cool. But, um, anyway, enjoyed the heck out of that. Uh, when, when that album came out, that was the first time I had the opportunity or took the opportunity. I probably should say to actually go see the killers. And, I, I was blown away. I mean, those guys put on a show. Uh, it was really cool. Drove to Dallas for that one. But in 2020, they You're listening to the musings of an ADD mind podcast. But in 2020, they came out with Imploding the Mirage. They actually had officially lost a band member at that point he didn't die i mean he's still with us but not not a part of the band they, they um, just left him in toledo correct yeah he just didn't they make get the on bus. the bus and they were like shit what happened to steve yeah <laughs> they they'd had a couple band members wanted to step away from touring uh, before that but they had a guy officially exit i believe at that time Anyway, Imploding the Mirage, you talk about different sounds. And they brought in a bunch of guest players to sing on this deal. Katie mm-hmm. Lang is in one as a singer, which is really kind of cool. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham plays on one of the songs, uh, w- which is really neat. Uh, Caution is a phenomenal song. I think that's the first single they did uh, from that album. But th- this whole album sounds different. I mean, they they recorded it over the pandemic, and it sounds like, completely different just like the pandemic was a completely different time in all our lives right but caution my soul's own warning uh, i believe that's the one that has lindsey buckingham i just blanked off the top of my head here but um phenomenal song my favorite song on that album is actually fire and bone and this is one where the first time i heard it i was like what on earth is this this isn't killers this is so different it sounded like the it sounded like they were trying to uh you know like i said kind of in in the theme of homages trying to pay homage to uh the uh, the talking heads or something like that oh, but cool. such a cool song so so much fun and that's the thing for for me about the killers that I, I always take away is something's always going to be different about what they're doing next. It's mm-hmm. not just rest on your laurels, dance with the one who brought you. They are doing something different. They are always trying to push the envelope and they're always, they're always making it personal. I mean, you go back to wonderful, wonderful. And he's, he wrote a song uh, called Tyson versus Douglas. 
which is exactly what you would think it is. He's given commentary on having watched as a kid Mike Tyson get beat by Buster Douglas and how, you know, apparently that that destroyed him. He must have been a Tyson fan, you know, and <laughs> and it, it's it's this really neat thing. But and imploding the mirage is just more of that very personal, but but such such a different sound. I, I love the way they just always bring some type of of difference. You know, they when we saw them live at the Zoo Amphitheater, they pe- they played American Girl because they'd played at Tom Petty's um, uh, Hall of Fame induction, and they played American Girl, so they played it there. And it was right on the hills of him having passed away. You talk about a cool moment, and they nail it, man. I mean, they they nail it. But they've they've done some other stuff, like they covered Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters with the Killers, yeah. which is. Uh, you know, it's an Elton John song, one of my favorite Elton John songs, I might add. But interestingly, during the the uh, this pandemic, uh, one of the other things I did, I talked about, you know, the similarities between them and Springsteen, how I felt like they somehow mm-hmm. they must be Springsteen fans. And it's coming out in their music a little bit. They redid a Dustland fairy tale from back in day and age and released it. And they did it as a uh, as a duet with Bruce friggin Springsteen. That's awesome, and they and they just call it Dustland Fairy Tale this time. So they dropped the A at the beginning, but uh, it sounds a little different, a little more piano-y, But uh, the boss is right in there, and now you really want to start a conversation. Ask Amanda how she feels about that. Cause she's torn. <laughs> she she loves the Killers, but she's just she's not a fan of the boss, and she hey. she might be upset to know that an artist I discussed last week, Glenn Hansard, he too has done a song. Uh, he recovered, recovered a Bruce Springsteen song. And Absolutely. Lynn was doing a concert, I believe, in Spain. And he was like, hey, look, guys, we got a special guest. And then Bruce Springsteen came out and sang <laughs> it with him. And say, was that Drive All Night? Was that the one that... Uh... Yeah, Drive All Night. Okay. And, um, you could tell that Glenn Hansard was, like, fanboying it. And he's like, uh, I, I got to play. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Like... That was a career-making thing for him. <laughs> all all, all I, I'll say um, is that people who, uh, to me, and this is just me talking, I know everybody's got opinions, right? But for me, people who know, they dig Springsteen. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah. That they, was uh, in-depth on the killers, Larry. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and even there, there's one more album. This one's just recently come out, but it's, uh, it's Pressure Machine. This one's very personal, very scaled down thing so more on the springsteen similarities for me it reminded me a ton of springsteen's album nebraska which critically it was celebrated it sold for crap i mean people uh, the fans didn't like it because it was just springsteen his guitar and a harmonica in his basement with a four-track recorder and it's one of my favorite springsteen albums but it's dark i mean he's talking about uh, you know a killer and a girl you know driving across the country, you know, and, and it's the whole album's really downscaled, but it's like gut wrenching. And, you know, the music that comes out of that, some of that's a lot like pressure machine. This one they just did. I'm still digesting. I don't know if I got a favorite song or anything like that. So it just came out, uh, you know, uh, a month or so ago, but, or by the time people have heard this, maybe two or three months ago, but anyway, just a- absolutely phenomenal music and it's very downscaled, kind of like Nebraska was for Springsteen, and pretty pretty dark, but it's very personal to 
Brandon Flowers' upbringing, right, and and who he uh, and who he is. So pretty pretty stinking cool from that uh, from that area. Again, changing the streams, keeping people on their toes, but but keeping it fun and keeping it you know an interesting listen. It's not like hearing the same regurgitated stuff like so many folks seems like they can get to. Two things that I would like to add, um, just you sort of reminded me of as you were talking. Um, as a matter of fact, it was this morning, I saw a meme and it was Billy Joel at the piano and it said for a song called piano, man, the harmonica player sure won't shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, the other, the other thing is you were talking about how John plays that song to like hype himself up before a game, a sporting event or something like that. Yeah. So when Duncan was in high school, he was on the cross country team. Duncan did it because he knew he was going in the military and he didn't want to have issues in basic training when you run. Mm-hmm. That was the sole reason why he did it. He did not do it because he wanted to like medal or stuff like that. It, but one of his friends had a scholarship for cross country in college. So nice. he really enjoyed it. And um, Duncan had him over one night. He was spending the night and they watched Team America World Police. <laughs> and And his friend, loved the theme song from that. And so he had a special playlist that he had that he listened to during, you know, as you're running whatever the mileage is on cross country. And it started with the theme song from Team America World Police to hype him up. In the middle of the playlist, it replayed and then it ended. So that about the time he was getting to the uh, finish line, it would pump him up and he would run faster because of the Team America World Police theme song. But the funny thing was, by the end of the season, the whole cross-country team had a similar <laughs> playlist with the theme song from Team America World Police. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. You just make me think of that because that's ridiculously funny and probably not what Trey Parker and Matt Stone had intended for that song. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyways, it, 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 music can mean anything to anybody. That's uh, hey, if that's your walk up music or you're getting jacked up music, then so be it. Exactly. People that are listening to this, if you've never listened to the Killers, they might, after your ringing endorsement, go and give them a listen. Because I don't know if you noticed, Larry likes them. Just a, just a <laughs> tad, just a touch. <laughs> they're not Which Stevie they're Wonder, but man, they're good. Right, right. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my next band, which is a band that my wife and I have had an exceedingly long relationship with, which is scary because it means that my wife and I are getting old. And that is Counting Crows. Uh, We were dating when Mr. Jones came out, and it just had its 30th anniversary. (sighs) Anyway. That's crazy. Yeah. So we we both like the song Mr. Jones. and. Who doesn't? Yeah. And so uh, we actually owned it on multiple formats. We owned it on CD and cassette because the car we had at the time, because it was 30 years ago, didn't have a CD player in it. It had a cassette player. So we had it on cassette and a CD. And that was even before we were married. It's when we were dating. And August and Everything After is the album that Mr. Jones is on. And Mr. Jones is, everybody sort of knows Mr. Jones, but Mr. Jones is actually sort of a, once again, another song that's deeper 
than it appears on the surface. It's it's about two guys drinking at a bar. There's some pretty <laughs> some pretty deep lines in that song. Well, how many people are doing something where the end goal involves a certain amount of being famous? If you're in a band or an actor or even an athlete, being famous is part of the end goal of that dream. And there, you know, there's a line in that song that he wants to see him, you know, hear him on the ra- himself on the radio, which I'm sure he has multiple times now. That song's really good, but the whole album, I don't think there's a bad song on August and everything after. If there's a bad song on there, I haven't heard it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. That's a phenomenal album. Yeah, every every song just hits and. We've listened to it a gazillion times, traveling back and forth when I was in the Army from Texas to Oklahoma to visit family. That was always on the list. Anytime, anytime we travel and it's a long uh, road trip, Counting Crows will be played. <laughs> and then their second album, Recovering the Satellites, is also a phenomenal album. It is really, really, really good. Um, the song Recovering the Satellites is one of my favorite songs. And it wasn't even released on the radio. I just love that thing. It is, I don't know, it's just about people and going through life and people get lost and everything. And I don't I can't fully explain it. It's, I just love it. And of course, everybody knows Goodnight Elizabeth, which is, you know, one of the uh, songs that got a ton, a ton of airplay. A Long December had a ton of airplay at the time, too. I love that song. Yeah, Along December's, that is a fantastic song. Children in Bloom, once again, didn't get radio play. Great song. Catapult, which starts it out. Just the way it's the first song on that album and the way it starts out, it's like just the perfect first song for an album. <laughs> you know, I, once again, I love that, that whole album. And then afterwards, they put out a live album, I believe. Yeah, it's a live album, Across a Wire. Mm-hmm. Which is worth listening to because Counting Crows, the songs are a little different live each time. They're never quite the same. For example, in Mr. Jones, where he says, Mr. wants to be Bob Dylan, and I want to be someone just a little more funky. Well, the Bob Dylan part changes, sort of depending on whoever Adam Duritz uh, is thinking about at that moment, I guess. But if you've never heard Across a Wire or had a chance to see Counting Crows live, it's really it's a really great listen. And then This Desert Life, has uh, the most popular song from that was probably Hanging Around. But the song that I love the most on that album is Colorblind, which was on Cruel Intentions at the end. And the lyrics to that song are amazing. It's, I am colorblind, coffee black, and egg white. <laughs> Adam Duritz has a strange, I can't think of the name of it. It's, it's, a, it's a neural disorder. And it's disassociative something. So occasionally, like Adam Duritz can be sitting in a room and something happens to him. And it's like he's watching himself from the corner of the room. This isn't, this is a thing that he has. And, you know, he takes medication for it and everything. And that's really kind of what that song is about. Because when that happens to you or to him, it's very disconcerting (laughs) or disconcerting for, you know, it freaks him out, which it would. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that's really what that song is. And so it's it's really an incredibly personal song because it probably took a lot of guts to write a song about that, even if no one knew that that's what it was about. 
I think it was yeah. 2008 that he admitted that he, or not admitted, sort of told the world that he had that had that issue. And then everybody, of course, knows them from their amazing song from Shrek 2, uh, Accidentally in Love. But their fourth studio album, Hard Candy, came out in 2002, also great. It has a lot of good songs on it. American Girls was um, quite popular on the radio, had a lot of airplay. Holiday in Spain is a phenomenal song. And then also that got a ton of airplay was Big Yellow Taxi with Vanessa Carlton singing on it. Also great. I mean, Counting Crows has had a good run. There's a reason that people are still going to see him in concert because yeah. they have put out a lot, of, a lot of good music. They they were a band, if you don't mind buttoning in here. Um, for for me, they were a, kind of a, a slow burn. Like everybody was really into Mister Jones initially, and I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm. I think at that point in my life, I was a little more into uh, a little bit of hip hop stuff and God knows what, but um, just wasn't really my thing, you know. And I remember hearing at some point, probably when I was in high school, uh, around here again, and it. Again, it was one of those, like, how did I not hear this the first time? You know, when they do that bridge and, uh, you know, the song gets a little heavier, a little more uh, up t- up upbeat, you know, mm-hmm. or up-tempo, I should say. And just that, that bridge is such a strong part of that song. It's like, my God, this is like a whole other world here that uh, I hadn't even paid attention to. And phenomenal song. And you talked about, well, we, I mentioned along December that I thought it was a phenomenal song. That I, I kind of started listening to that about the time I really understood or connected with Round Here, and that that was for mm-hmm. me kind of the 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 point at which I was like, hey, this band's for real, you know. And then it was years later, but when I heard Across a Wire, you're talking about when they do Mister Jones, that song messed me up when I heard it on the across a wire here in that version, because it's completely different. That's the song. That's the version I listen to now, you know, anytime I yeah. want to hear that, yeah. I mean, they're both versions are on my, you know, my current playlist. But for me, that one, first time I heard that one, it's like, what on earth? This is so, I didn't thought of it in this way or anything like this. And it's amazing. It's yeah. such a strong song. And I mean, they're playing the accordion in it, right? <laughs> it's, I'm yeah. like, that's yeah. the most prominent, yeah. uh, feature uh instrument and it's like who would have ever you know i i certainly would have never seen it going that way and that yeah. that's the type of artistry for me that comes out uh, in that live version and like you said he's ad- ad-libbing some of the songs like yeah or some of some of the lyrics there in the song and it's it's phenomenal and yeah seeing those dudes uh was was great. I mean, I had no idea what to expect other than yeah. you know, thinking, Hey, this is going to be what listening to across the wires. Like, and it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Oh yeah. It's funny that, you know, earlier, well, episode one, we were talking about how the great thing about music is it can be 50 years old and it has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. So last year during the great 2020 pandemic started Boo. that <laughs> long year. And it just seemed like everything kept happening. We were Heather and I, we're going somewhere and we were listening to uh, counting crows and long December came on and I started singing it. And it's been a long 2020 and there's <laughs> reason to believe maybe next year will be better than the last. Now, of course that turned out to not be true, <laughs> but still hope, still hope. 
I, you could very easily change it to it's been a long 2021. But yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That's um, funny. Anyway, That's funny. And then it, it had another album that came out in 2012, Underwater Sunshine. And another live. They, they have like four or five live albums. Um, the one that came out in 2013 is called Echoes of the Outlaw Roadshow. And then the next studio album came out in 2014 called Somewhere Under Wonderland. I'm just sort of given a quick dis- uh, discography here. And then yeah, the I- one that came out in May is um, is really quite a phenomenal name for an album. It is called Butter Miracle Suit One or Sweet One. <laughs> um, it's really more of an EP. <laughs> it's only got four songs on it, but it's a fantastic title for for an album. And I appreciate that they did that. And sort of continuing on the love of Counting Crows, I mentioned how my wife and I absolutely love them. And I love Counting Crows, and my wife likes Counting Crows like 10 times more than I like Counting Crows. <laughs> and um, they, because of the sort of time they came out, they, they have been with us like almost our entire 30-year relationship. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Every time... They came to town for a concert because, you know, we had kids. And while we were able to occasionally go to concerts, you know, concerts can be expensive if you, you know, have kids and all of that junk because we always sort of put them first. And we were just never able to see Counting Crows live. And for Father's Day, I think 2015, I think it was, they were touring. And for Father's Day, my wife got me tickets to see them live at the Zoo Amphitheater in October of that year. Now, I think that was also sort of a Mother's Day Heather present. (laughs) (laughs) It's got some perks to the giver in that respect. Right, right. Uh, So we went there, and there's a VIP section, and we were right behind the VIP section. The cool thing, because I loved the concert. Hearing them live was amazing. It was phenomenal. They put on a killer show. But really for me, it was almost more enjoyable watching Heather watch the concert <laughs> because every song that came on, she loved. <laughs> yeah. It, and it just seemed like the expression on her face. And I can't remember which, it may have been Holiday in Spain. I want to I say that when they started playing it, like she was like so overcome that like she was crying tears of happiness Oh, God, I love that. That was really almost more of the Father's Day present than seeing the concert, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I loved going to the concert. But just seeing her react that way to it was incredible. Yeah, and absolutely. So after the concert, I went to the uh, Counting Crows Facebook page, and I just commented and basically sort of said the story that I just told everybody here. And I thought, well, I'm never going to hear you know, they're a band. Somebody runs their social media for them. But their drummer got on and he was like, that is one of the most amazing stories I've heard. It, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And oh, that's awesome. Band, and I read it to the band and they all they all were happy to hear that, that we were able to do that for you guys. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, man. Isn't it yeah. neat when, when someone who, I mean, we, we put these folks on pedestals, not in a way that we're, we're not idolizing folks here, but you know, we're we can appreciate the heck out of this God-given talent these people have, right? And the way they express yeah. themselves, how you, you know, c- connect with and all that stuff. Isn't it cool? 
<laughs> that someone has the humility to hit you back with something like that. That that's so neat. And I I appreciate yeah. you saying yeah. that the part where you're talking about uh looking over and seeing her cry. We had I had the same experience when looking over and seeing John, he wasn't crying, but just when I saw him, you know, singing out of the top of his lungs, just like I was, I cried I, or, or wept, you know, right. as, yeah. as, as, yeah. as a dude might say, but, uh, you know, for, yeah. for me, it's just like, golly, there's nothing better. And that was, it was for John's birthday, I believe is, is why we got those tickets, mm-hmm. even though it was several months later, but man, just, just such a neat thing to hear you say about, uh, you know, your experience yeah. with Heather. It was it was really amazing, and I was I didn't put that on there because I did not think anyone from the band would ever see it. But apparently, the drummer runs their Facebook page, or at least he did then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, one more thing, though, about Counting Crows before I before I move on a little bit. I follow Counting Crows on Instagram, and strangely enough, Heather did not. I don't know why. It's really weird. Heather's a photographer, but she hardly Instagrams. Anyway, (laughs) but I follow Counting Crows. Well, last year during the pandemic, Adam started doing Instagram Lives, which was cooking with the Counting Crows, and he would just record him cooking dinner in his kitchen. (laughs) So I, I went on and saw the live, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, who is that? What? I'm like, that. what band member is that? And then I'm like... Holy crap, that's Adam. He shaved off all of his dreads. Oh, did he really? Wow. Yeah. It it took me like a good minute to realize that was him. So, so I, I messaged Heather and I'm like, you need to go on the Counting Crows Instagram page right now. And, <laughs> if you're not and, sitting and, down, you may want to be sitting down. And follow their <laughs> live. And she came back on and she was like, it took me a minute <laughs> to realize that was Adam, <laughs> but yeah, he looks quite different without the uh, the dreads. You can't go twenty eight years with dreadlocks being your signature thing and then shave, you know, cut your head right. to a buzz cut. Yeah, you just can't do that. That's, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like uh, what well, these guys are nowhere on the level of the Counting Crows, but you know. Now that the, uh, you know, Limp Biscuit's coming back, right? Fred Durst looks like an old yeah. dude or a dad. <laughs> He's, he doesn't have a red, you know, red cap on backwards anymore. It's like, I don't even know who that is. It doesn't look yeah, like Yeah, he looks guy. like Jamie Lee Curtis with the goatee. <laughs> <laughs> looks like his name ought to be Mr. Smith and he ought to be coaching, you know, eighth grade basketball or something. I don't know. Yeah, yelling at refs because... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, real quick, before we move on, you have three minutes. Honorable mention song. You have three minutes. Oh, honorable mention songs. Um, just a song. One hit wonder, song? doesn't matter what decade. Any song that you like. Real quick. Um, well, I'll, I'll throw this at you, uh, rather than a song, because this one, kind of like you talked about Pink Floyd before, you know, it's more of a... Uh, more of a full listen type of uh, situation for the album. Um, Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies. That is one. Okay. And I, I was thinking about this in the background because this will be our year is on there. And I was thinking about it in the context you're talking about long December. I, I've, I've said this will be our year, um, you know, several times to Amanda thinking, hey, this will be the year we find, you know, break out, have a little more financial, you know, whatever, freedom and all this kind of stuff. But that, that entire album, phenomenal 
fun. Most people have heard time of the season, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, they were just recently inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, they're a band and they've been out since the 60s. They were on the, you know, kind of the forefront mm-hmm. of, of uh, you know, psychedelic rock and all that kind of stuff. But man, they are, they are really good. And that album, front to back, you will not. Uh, be disappointed if you just take a flyer. Just go buy it. I wouldn't even tell you pre-listen. Just go buy it and thank <laughs> just me. Go later. buy it. Yeah, I, All I right. promise. All right. I promise. And Larry, I don't, I don't mean to break it to you. When does Matt turn eighteen? Um, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be a while. Yeah. So four years after that, when he graduates college, that's when you're going to achieve that goal. That's our year. No, I I, I get that. I, 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 I do say it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, recognizing right, right. Every, everything these kids do costs money. Everything. Even yeah, going kids, to school. Kids are, they are money vampires. E- e- even going to school, there's a shirt this week, you know, they got to have or something, blah, blah. I'm like, what the heck yeah. what are we paying taxes for? God almighty. Yeah, that's why it's glorious when you become an empty nester. Let me yeah. tell you, it was everything we had hoped it would be and more. Hey, listen, I love, my, first, I love my kids, but I'm dreaming of that moment. I really am. And then, of course, we went and got a puppy. Yeah. Who would treat better than any kid you, we ever had. You could legitimately <laughs> spend more on food for him than you did your kids because your kids weren't your <laughs> yeah. kids weren't big. That dog is a uh, – well, he's a horse. He's got a saddle and, yeah. a, uh, and a post out front, I know. Yeah, he's, a, he's at this point nine and a half months old. His shoulders stand half an inch below countertop level. Well, the bottom <laughs> of the countertop. That's the 36 inches. The countertop is additional inch. I'm talking from the countertop part, not the counting the countertop. So he's 35 and a half inches tall and 110 pounds. Yeah. At nine and a half months. So that already weighs, outweighs two of my four kids. <laughs> yeah, he uh, when you get a Great Dane, you know that they're going to grow fast, but it is still amazing to watch them grow fast. Yeah. At the same time, you get used to their size. And it's not until you go to a dog park and he dwarfs every other dog. And then every other dog is completely covered with drool that he's been around because, well, he's taller than all of the other dogs. Yeah. But I, um, I remember my, my buddy Chris had a Great Dane growing up, and I still remember. And I was. I wasn't a small kid. I mean, you, you know me I'm now. I'm 6'4 and a bunch of weight. But uh, back then, I was, you know, like 6'2. And uh, and still, you know, I would have been in the 220 to 230-pound range. That dog would walk by me and wag its tail and knock me off my my footing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Just, just with oh, its yeah, tail. Just with its tail. Oh, I know. I, I've been whacked in the nuts by his tail. <laughs> A time or two, and that that is not pleasant. The other thing about Great Danes, they will sit. If their butt fits, they will sit, and they do not care what is behind them. Right. That includes our lap. That includes your legs when you're laying down in bed. That includes our other dog, Khaleesi, who's a little short, tiny dog. Yes. He is constantly sitting on her, and she's not ever pleased about that. But what's she going to do about it? <laughs> Nothing. You're right, yeah. <laughs> and, Yelp. Yelp louder. Yeah. And just to add, before we get back to music real quick. So when we got him at eight weeks old, we brought him home and we set the cage, the little crate up for him in our room at night to have him in. 
because you don't want a full-grown Great Dane sleeping with you in bed. No, that would be impossible. Yeah, so after an hour of him whining, we put him in bed with us. You know, but for him, that was a big deal because he came from an environment. He had eight brothers and sisters, his mom, his Uncle Seamus, and their two other dogs that they had that aren't Great Danes. So he went from that to our house, and all of a sudden, the only dog there is Khaleesi, and any time he got near her, she'd growl at him. Right. And the Great Danes are people dogs, and so he loved us, so we put him in bed with us. It'll just be tonight. And then the next night, and then the <laughs> next night. Uh, it's a good thing we have a king size bed. Yeah, now you're and stuck. I, I, yeah, I would just like to add, you have never been spooned until you've been spooned by a hundred pound Great Dane, <laughs> and and you are always the little spoon. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that I'll wake up and he'll be spooned, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, and his head, he has it like resting on my neck, and. Every now and again, he'll like stick his tongue out and like try to give you a lick or whatever. Oh, and it's God. like, dude, stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's a great dog to have, actually. Higgins is pretty awesome. But I'm going to fire out my honorable mention. And I'm going to go old school, 1980s, one hit wonder, Edie Burkell and the New Bohemians. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know if you know what I mean. Philosophy is the talk on a cereal box. Religion, smile on a door. That song is awesome. If you grew up a child of the 80s, you probably love that song. Absolutely. Particularly if you're you're my age. And then Edie Burkill married Paul Simon, and she kept making albums. If she's made any sense then, I don't know of them. I will say, though, that as a kid... One of the happiest days of my life was when Carrie Fisher and Paul Simon divorced because Carrie Fisher was my first crush. Because then there was a chance. Yeah. Yeah, there was a chance. (laughs) So I was quite happy when he married Edie Burkell because that meant there was going to be no reconciliation with Carrie Fisher. (laughs) That's awesome. I dreamed big back in the 1980s. You got got to have something. You got to have something. Propelling you forward. Yeah. It's a dream of uh, being with Princess Leia, so be it. Yeah. I, I, w- I, would, I would hazard a guess that you were probably not the only young man who had that dream. I, I want to say that there are probably hundreds of thousands of men and possibly women my age yeah. that feel that way. That's, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Hey, you know what? Just, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was just... Uh, Going through here, one song with Counting Crows you didn't mention that I would have said on there is Omaha. Phenomenal. Oh, I love, yeah, yeah. love that song. Love that song. That's the problem with Counting Crows. They have so many great songs. And the problem is, if you get to a you only listen to the music played on the radio mindset, Yeah, there are just some bands that there's a reason that the song is played on the radio and none of the rest of the album ever makes it. But Counting Crows aren't like that. All of right. their songs are excellent. They just can't fit it all in, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't... Well, first of all, I don't know if radio stations would literally release every song on it. Um, but yeah, no, the Counting Crows are they're amazing. They're, and if you can see them in concert, whether you're a fan or not, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, they're... If it's an album like Thriller or Bad or something, then it, 
you're probably going to see a bunch of singles like that. But in this day and age, that just doesn't happen. And, you know, the songs may be very good. In fact, they are legitimately very good. You know, the ones that, that you're talking about. But it's also like, well, what does the label want to put out there? Because at some point you run the risk of pushing another song off the chart or whatever, because you're right. trying to pump another, another track, you know? So in this day yeah. and age, it's probably just not feasible, you know, to have one more than one or two or three or something like that. Yeah. And of course, as a, as a record label, you're in this weird thing of, obviously, if you've paid a ton of money to a band, you want them to have songs that get a crap ton of airplay. But you don't necessarily, but you have more than one band and they're mm-hmm. also getting airplay and you want them to get a lot of airplay. And so it's this weird thing of we want you to get airplay, but do we want you to knock off Bozo and the Boza teens? Because we paid them a lot of money to have music too. I'm just going to say right now that should be a band name. It, it definitely, it definitely should. <laughs> yeah, that, I need to trademark that. I need to go and buy the domain name for that right now. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you know, there we go. Bozo and the Bozo teams. <laughs> but that's yeah, great. that's a that's a weird thing that a you know a studio has to be in, and you know, an artist too, because you know, at what point do you, when a song's sort of going dipping in the charts, do you release the net song? Because obviously, you want to have a point to where they're both kind of getting equal airplay. You know, yeah. one's going down and one's going up, and. I imagine there's some sort of mathematical formula for that that is far more complex than I know you could ever figure out. Yeah, some some kind of uh, algorithm says when it's time to release the next single. Yeah, but I'll admit, I, uh, there aren't too many new bands that I really have listened to since, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. I don't know why. I, I do like Ed Sheeran. All right, he at least writes all of his own music. Yeah. I appreciate that and plays his own instruments and sort of got big on his own, which I appreciate. He put the work in and uh otherwise I don't know. I'm I've got up to a point where I understand how my dad felt when I was a teenager, which is scary <laughs> to have reached that age. But, you know, and then also I want to say in case anyone was wondering when I say go see the Flaming Lips, I have seen them live five times. So go see them live. Yeah, you've yeah, seen them uh, once, or you've seen them twice. I think it's I think it's twice. It's either two or three times. It, it may may maybe three, but maybe just two. You lose track. I go to as you know, Jack. But for the edification of everyone else, I I go to shows. I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world to do. Other than, uh, oh yeah, uh, other than spend time with my family, but you know that's that's like my that's my deal. So yeah. tend to lose track. <laughs> yeah, you, you and you and Brandon have been to a lot of concerts together, and no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, far more than than I've I've been to. And I will say, last summer, my mom apologized to me for something that she did to me in the ninth grade, and I had to forgive her because she apologized. <laughs> When I was in the ninth grade, Def Leppard was on tour and they came to Oklahoma City. And a friend of mine, well, actually two friends of mine, had tickets to go. And the one friend, his older brother, was going to go. And sadly, he got appendicitis like three days before the concert. So he couldn't go. And so my friend was like, hey, you want to go to the concert? I'll give you the ticket. I'll give you the ticket. Not, would you like to buy it? Right. I'll give you the ticket. 
to see Leopard in their heyday. Yeah, me. Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> Heck yeah, I go home. Mom, this this was where I made a mistake. You asked. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Is what I should have said was, I'm going to go spend the night at Todd's. <laughs> Mom would have been, okay. But unfortunately, <laughs> I had a slight honesty streak in me. And I said, hey, Mom, my friend has an extra ticket to go see Def Leppard in concert. Can I go? And then I heard the sound of the needle scratching the record and her saying, no, you can't go. And me going, what? She's like, well, it's on a Thursday. You have school the next day. And I'm like, your point? She's like, no, you can't go. I have school every day. Leopard's not here for free every day. I I made that argument. I'm like, mom, (laughs) it's free. They're giving me the ticket. No, you can't go. Mom! Oh, my <laughs> no, gosh. you can't go. So what I should have done, you know, was I'm going over to Todd's that night. And I'll be, I'll be home because even then, you know, I could have come home at like 11 and she would have been fine. And Oklahoma City has a the concert has to be over by 1130 rules. So I would have been home <laughs> and only gotten in a little bit of trouble for coming home late. Right. So I didn't go. I've never been able to see Def Leppard since then. I don't know if I went now, if it would be the same than seeing them during the Hysteria album tour right? of when I was in the ninth grade. They, they still put on a pretty good show. I've seen them twice. They, they put on a pretty good show. It's, you know. But it wouldn't be the same, like you said. It not, yeah. It's not the same. And so I was, I was driving mom to her dialysis last year, and I was listening to the cat. Def Leppard came on, and I reminded her of the horror. Uh- that she did to me when I was in ninth grade. And she goes, well, why wouldn't I let you go? And I'm like, what? And she's like, well, I should have let you go. I'm sorry that I didn't let you go. She's like, I don't know why I didn't let you go. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Glad you came to your senses now. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good this does me now. Anyway. <laughs> but I don't want to make you feel bad. You're going to dialysis and everything. You just ruined that moment of my life. No biggie. You know what, Mom? While you're in there and they're <laughs> filtering your blood, you think about what you did to me. <laughs> think about that. I have I have been saddened by it ever since. Yeah, and I think Cinderella was opening for him, too, if I remember correctly. That would be cool. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this now if you're listening to the podcast. Go back if you've never heard Cinderella and listen to Cinderella. And I'm about to put something in your head that will never leave your head. The lead singer of Cinderella <laughs> sounds like heavy metal Grover from Sesame Street. If Grover from Sesame Street Whoa. sang heavy metal in the hairband air, he would sound like the lead singer of Cinderella. Go test it. I'm not wrong. Oh my God, I'm trying to think about it. I'd play it right now if it didn't get this copyright stricken. <laughs> when we're done, Larry, go listen to it and you're going to be like, holy shit. <laughs> I think I, I'm just thinking through it, and I think I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's like the time yeah. we were driving, uh, Crocodile Rock was on, and the kids said, "What is this song Elmo singing?" You know, when he's doing the la 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 part. <laughs> right. That that just screwed up Crocodile Rock for me for quite a while. But yeah, no, I think I think I hear yeah. I think I hear what you're saying. Yeah, Duncan ruined uh, the Cutting Cruise. I just died in your arms tonight because he always sang it. I just dined in your arms tonight. <laughs> And I, I can't oh. hear the song the correct way now. He, he I love it. Anyway, <laughs> that was 
an exciting part too to segue into the ending of the show now that we've talked for a long time <laughs> to segue to the end of the show larry i want to thank you for coming on as a guest yeah appreciate the opportunity you're welcome i thank you for the passionate information and talking about the songs uh, that you spoke to i was joking earlier that about you liking the killers but that's really cool and there was a lot of really good information and i appreciate that and i hope the the people listening will give them them and stevie wonder a chance and the flaming lips a chance as well and counting crows if you've never listened to them so i appreciate you coming on this has been a fun two hours absolutely and i'm going to go ahead and sign off so remember everybody Try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud.